Welcome back. If you're just joining us now, thank you for joining us. If you're uh, checking us out for the first time, we're honored that you would join us. And as we uh, begin our fourth week in the, our series, if this is the first time you've uh, you've been joining us, uh, we're covering the Ten Commandments, as you probably are well aware with that bumper. Uh, but in this series, it's, it's kind of, a, if you will, a fresh look at these seemingly old rules that we have come to know very well in the church world. But how can we apply that to our everyday life? Does it affect us today? Can we actually even uh, look to them as guides for our everyday life? And today we find ourselves in Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. So a little bit bigger chunk of uh, the Exodus account in chapter 20. And we read, we're reading from the New Living Translation. If you're following along, it will be up on the screen. This is God's word to his people. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for you and your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord, your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. So today we're going to be taking Everybody a look at those. Uh, I should have known better. Sally, I got it right this time. Good job, Bobby. Sally, what are you doing? Well, Bobby, Pastor was talking about remembering the salmon and keeping it holy and having a day of rest. So I'm taking a nap. Yeah, but we're in church right now, and I've been paying attention instead of watching NASCAR on my phone during church, and he said... Good job, Bobby. He said that we're supposed to observe the Sabbath, which... Because God created the universe and everything in six days, and then on the seventh day, he rested. So we're supposed to rest on the seventh day and not do work, but I don't think he meant sleep at church, because that's part of giving that seventh day to God. And you know what? What? If mom finds out, you're going to be in trouble for a change, not me. I don't want to sit on that stool. It's not fun. So there's no salmon? There's, well... We might have salmon later, but... We're I don't not like to... salmon. It tastes like fish. Well, it is fish. Oh. No wonder I don't like Why it. Why don't you come back to church with me and we, maybe mom won't find out. Okay, don't tell her. Okay. Okay, let's okay. go. Okay, bye. Oh, Sally and Bobby. Once again, giving us a, a good example of what we're talking about today, or maybe sometimes not so good example. Uh, either way you go, but today we're going to take a look at this fourth commandment. And really our main point today, if there's only one thing you get, it is found in what we call in kids ministry, our big idea. So today we're going to have the big idea, and it says, a day of rest is for my good. A day of rest is for my good. So every time you hear this sound, hit it, Liam. Hey, what's the big idea? You're already ready for this. Stand up to your feet and say the big idea with me. A day of rest is for my good. I hope you get that today. 
A day of rest is for your good. And so, how about we begin this brief investigation on determining what exactly is it that God talks about in this passage in Exodus 20, where he says, Sabbath, or a day of rest, as most of us have understood it as. And maybe maybe you've never heard of Sabbath before, or a day of rest, and this is brand new to you, and it's like... Uh, another language. I don't know what you're talking about. We don't rest around here. This is hard work. Uh, this country was, was made off of the blood, sweat, and tears of many amazing people, right? So what exactly is it? Well, first I want to explain what it isn't. A day of rest for so many people has has become, and I guess maybe this is just the circles I run in, but rest to many people, is anything that rejuvenates you. So, for example, if playing a sport rejuvenates you, they consider it a day of rest. If watching a TV program, like NASCAR, Bobby, um, it rejuvenates you, so therefore it must be a day of rest. If hanging out with friends, if scrolling through Facebook world, whatever it is, if that's what you enjoy, therefore it must be a day of rest. I really like that idea, and I think it is a good practice. Things that rejuvenate you are a good thing. We should have those in our life. But that's not exactly what God's Word says about a rest day or a Sabbath day. So what does God really say? Well, in verses 9 through 10, and we read in Exodus, you have six days each week for your ordinary work. I like that, ordinary work. It's what we do, right? Ordinary. It's our job. It's school. It's our chores. You have six days to do that, but on the seventh day, which we in, a, in the Christian world have considered Sunday, typically, it's a Sabbath day of rest. Dedicated to the Lord your God. Dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. Now, I would agree where the thought process comes from, whatever rejuvenates you, uh, that could be your day of rest. Because, sure, we could dedicate watching football to God, right? Right? I mean, this is for you, God. I'm resting watching the Vikings play. This seems pretty restful to me. It could be dedicated to God. Yet Sabbath, at its foundation, is when we are to stop our pursuits. I like that word. Stop our pursuits and rest. Here's where I get that from. Isaiah 58, 13 through 14. This is a really good one to take home with you today. It says, keep the Sabbath day holy. Here it is. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight. Here it is again. As the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath and everything you do on that day and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. God desires for you and Him to have a day set apart for connection. Hit it, Liam! Hey! Stand up what's on the big idea? And say... A day of rest for my good. In fact, God believed in the day of rest so much 
that he even rested as an example. Let's take a, a look at Genesis 1 through 2, 1 through 3. And I just have verse 3 up there for you guys. But I'll read verses 1 and 2 as well. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. Because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. Now think about this. I don't know what caused me to have this idea. But question for you. Did God have to create a day of rest for himself? Hey, what's the big idea? Oh, stand to your feet and say... Oh, man, that thing just catches me off guard sometimes. Did he have to rest? Did, does God have to rest? He's all-powerful. It, it doesn't take him anything to create anything. He just does, and it exists. Think of all creation. He created it all in one day. But not only did God create everything in one or, or in six days, but things are continuing to create. If you know anything about Science, you know that light is continuing to travel. We know that the universe is expanding every second of our existence and beyond. It's always been created. Since the day God set creation into existence, it's continuing to create. Now, I won't go into the details. I had a whole class in my master's program in this, but it just blew me away when I started thinking about how God created things, and now they continue to create as we breathe right now god didn't have to rest he didn't have to rest but not only that as i looked at all seven days god never once said about days one through six that they were blessed or holy there's only one day that god declared blessed and holy that was the seventh day he declared that holy because we get to be with him. That is how powerful this day of rest. Now, of course, we can spend any day with God, right? Like this isn't just for a Sunday or whatever day you practice your Sabbath day. It, we can be with him at any time. But there's something about a day when we just set apart that day to be with him. It's holy. It's blessed. It's special. Which brings us to today's sword drill. And I do believe Mrs. Tina is coming on up here. I did not confirm with her, but <laughs> I should never assume things. We, we start doing things and then, you know, I just figure that that's how we do it. It's, it's good. We're, we're a good team. She, she knows what my, my thoughts are, I guess. I can read your mind. <laughs> No, not quite. Not quite that good. <laughs> All right. So if we have anybody new with us or watching online, a sword drill is basically a race to get to the verse in the Bible. So I'm going to give you the reference. And then when the music starts, you'll race to find it. And once you find it, you got to yell out, got it. And then run up here. And the first one up here will get to help me read it for everybody. So... Uh, let's see, where should we put it today? Usually we put the Bibles on our head, but 
we like to mix it up at church. So how about if we put it on top of our foot? Set it on top of your foot. All right. The verse today is Matthew eleven twenty eight. So as soon as we hear the music, you're going to look for Matthew eleven twenty eight. Go ahead, guys. There we go. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Are you gonna run up here? Oh man. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Oh, looks like we got one coming up. Did you find it, Ethan? That's alright. You had it. I'll help you find it again. You said your finger lost the spot. Matthew eleven twenty eight. It's right there. Do you know how to read that? Come to me, all you who labor and and rest of your labors, and I will give you rest. Good job. All right, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Ethan, wow, bringing it to the house today. Awesome job. Well, up on the screen we have it for you again. I'll just read it for you. But think about this. This is what a day of rest or a Sabbath is supposed to look like. Jesus is saying to his disciples, right? A powerful thought. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's what the Sabbath day or the rest day is supposed to be. It's to restore your spirit and reconnect you to God. Restore your spirit and reconnect you to God. Hey, what's the big idea? Stand to your feet and say... Man, you guys are really good at this now. But not only is it to restore and reconnect you to God. Now, this is where Pastor Lou kind of likes to hang out a lot. It's to empower you for the kingdom of God. This is what it's all about. This is what rest is supposed to do. It's supposed to empower you. I love how Eleanor Brown put it. She she stated, when you take time to replenish your spirit, and I would add to that, to God, to your creator... It allows you to serve others from the overflow. You cannot serve from an empty vessel. That is so good. You cannot serve from an empty vessel. That's what a day of rest does for us. It fills us. It helps us to overflow so that what we have inside us can go to other people and be useful for God's kingdom. That's what a day of rest is. Jesus understood this in Mark 6, 30 through 31. His apostles returned to Jesus. And it says, from their ministry tour. They were out working for Jesus. He sent them out and they did the work. And they came back and they told them all that they had done and taught. I'm sure it was a celebration, right? Like all this is going on. This is awesome. We've, we've seen people be healed. We've seen people... Uh, Come to the kingdom of God. We were baptizing. We were doing all these great things. And then Jesus said, so beautifully, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. Go to a quiet place 
and rest a while. We see this in another case in, in uh, Matthew 14, verse 13. As soon as Jesus heard the news. Now, this was in reference to the death of John the Baptist. He went off by himself in a boat to a remote area to be alone. Jesus multiple, multiple times went out to be on his own. The Garden of Gethsemane, right before he gets taken off to be put on trial, he's there to connect with God because he knew that he needed that time to be empowered for what was going to come or what had come in the case of the death of John the Baptist. He was in sorrow. He needed time to reconnect and replenish his spirit. So Jesus modeled this. He, he explained it to his, his disciples in action and in word. We need to go. We need to rest. But yet, you may be asking yourself, okay, I understand, right? You, you've stated the case for the importance of rest. A day of Sabbath. I get it. This is important. I need it if I want to replenish my spirit after a hard season of going through difficulties. I need it for times where maybe I have disconnected from God and I need to reconnect to him. And I understand that if I want to be used in the kingdom of God, I need to spend time with him to be empowered. But how? How do I accomplish that in my weekly life? God did it on the seventh day. As a model for us to do it on the seventh day. But if you're anything like myself, and I know most of you are, you are filled with things in your life. You've got a job, most of you, or <laughs> you are doing schoolwork, or you are doing other things. You have activities, whether it's for the kids, whether it's for the church, whether it's for the community. Many of you who are listening, your week is full from Monday to Saturday with things to do. And then on the day that we are typically supposed to have for Sabbath, we come to church and many people are working at church. It's not a day of rest at church coming together. It's a day of work at church for many of you. So where do we find this day off? You know, Saturdays, many times people are like, well, Saturday will be my day off. But then, what, you have to clean, you have to mow the yard, and maybe you have some neighbors who need some help, and so you help them, or family members that need some help, or maybe you have other projects that you've been putting off for a long time, and you finally have everything cleaned up, and you're ahead of the game a little bit, and so you can finally get to those projects. That's not a day of rest. Okay, so we got vacations. That's where we find our day of rest. So maybe some of you, you get a couple of weeks in the year to take off for vacation. I've been around for more of my adult years than not adult years. And I've come to understand that vacations are not a vacation. You spend the week leading up to a vacation getting ahead. Yesterday, I started my message for a couple of weeks from now. Why? Because I'm going on vacation next Sunday. And I already have to start my message so I can get ahead so that when I'm gone, I don't have to work on my message for that week. It starts over a week ahead so that you can leave and not have to do anything while you're gone. And then you come back from vacation. 
You're catching up from all the stuff that you didn't get to do. So you spend three or four days after catching up. And then when you are on vacation, I know most of you are probably similar to me. You cram it with stuff to do. We're going to Missouri. And if you go to Missouri, you got to go to this place, this place, and this place, because that's, that's places you have to go. Or you have to visit this museum. Or go to that field and, and check that out. It's the, the field of dreams. Everybody goes there. you got to go there. So you never really have a time to rest, even on vacation. At least not the kind of rest that we are created to have, where it's alone time with us and God. And if you're a parent, well, you never get a day of rest as being a parent. So good luck with that. You have 20 some odd years of your life where there's no rest. But that's not what God wants. So I, as I was writing this message and I was thinking about where you are at because I'm right there with you. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I spend 24-7 hanging out with God, right? Like, there's stuff to do. And I just questioned myself, is it possible in our culture to have a day of rest with God? Is it possible? And as I processed this question, it didn't take long for God to slap me across the face and say, wake up. Wake up, Luke. Wake up. Are you going to allow others or the culture, may I even say the Christian culture, to determine what is best for you? He was speaking directly to me. Are you going to allow that to determine what's best for you? Or will you allow me to determine What's best for you? Will you allow me? You see, God created the day of rest. And, Mr. Liam? Hey! What's the big idea? God created a day of rest and a day of rest. Day of rest. Is for my good. So what is it going to be? (laughs) What is it going to be? What are we going to choose? Are we going to allow... What we've, uh, what we've already allowed to continue to happen in our own personal world, where we're running, disregarding what God wants for us. God created the day of rest for us, not for him. He modeled it, not necessarily for himself, but for us to follow. And so as we come to a close today and we land this plane, I'm going to leave you with three guidelines that I believe are going to help you create rest with God. And the first one is to be just practical. Be practical. See, so often I hear a message like this and immediately I want to have a day of rest next week. Right? Good luck with that. If you aren't spending More than 10 minutes with God, alone with him every day, you are not going to just all of a sudden create a day of rest out of thin air. It's going to take some time. So don't set yourself up for failure. If you are doing 10 minutes, then what is your next step? What can you accomplish right now? Is it an hour? Is it half a day? I mean, (laughs) me and my personal life, I've... I've just succumbed to the fact that if I can get a half a day where I'm just for me, alone, not in the church alone, uh, with God, trying to figure out church stuff, but 
out on my own where I'm just with God. Can I create a half day? That's where I'm at. And it's been hard. It doesn't work every week. So be practical wherever you're at. Second, be intentional. Friends, we're in a spiritual battle. The enemy wants to rob your time with God. He wants to do that. And he's going to put so many different things in your path where it's going to seem impossible for you to have that. He doesn't want you to be replenished. He doesn't want you to be connected to God. He doesn't want you to be empowered to do God's work for his kingdom. He wants to rob you of that. So will you be intentional? If you're not determined to make that time, it won't happen. You have to put it in your schedule. Make it a priority. You make time for things that matter. And then lastly, this is a, a saying from a comedian that I follow that probably nobody should ever watch, but Charlie Barron says, keep her moving. Sometimes you're going to hit times in your life where things just fall apart. And you've been doing a great job of spending time with God, doing your devotions, having prayer time, having worship music on. You're doing awesome. But then there's seasons where it just seems like a Mack truck just came and threw you off the road and you have no idea how to get back on that road. Pick yourself back up. Maybe it's been a long season. The beautiful thing about God is he's gracious. He's merciful. He will welcome you back. At any time. He wants to spend time with you. He longs for it. He desires it. So keep it moving. Keep it moving. And as the worship team comes back up, we're going to spend some time. And and this time that we have is just to simply listen. Whether you're standing up at your seats, whether you're sitting down, whether you're at the altars, or whether you're at home sitting on your couch or sitting in your bed, whatever it is, this is the time where we just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us and say, where is my starting point, God? Ask him that question in this time. Give me a clear starting point of where I can begin, a practical thing that I can do that will help me have that time where I can replenish, reconnect, and be empowered. So, Father, I come before you. And, Father, I pray for those who are in the sanctuary or at home in their rooms or out in their car, wherever they may be, Father, I pray for your Holy Spirit to to speak to them. Speak to them about how they can spend a day with you. God, you long, you desire. Father, you go running after the one because you so long for them to be in your presence. And I just pray, Father, that we'll have our ears to hear. Father, as I continue to pray over my own life, I pray over your people now, Father, that you will give them eyes to see what you see. To help them to feel what you feel. And to help them love the way you love. God, give them that desire to be next to you. In Jesus' name, amen.